I'm Daniel Mason Jones, and you are watching Beauty and Style Network. Hey Daniel, it's so good to be here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, okay, so I just want to say I'm so thankful for this day that I've had with you. Um, so fun. Being in your home is like this really weird, like dream experience for me. So <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. So thank you so much for opening up your home. But um, I was telling Jody this um, earlier when you were dealing with something at the salon. But yeah. I was talking to Jody and I was telling him um, on the way down here. Mark and I were talking about how I think it was about two years ago we recorded on the podcast. And I remember being like, this is my big break. Like, I was like, I can't believe that this person has agreed to record it with me. Oh you know, you're just everything so sweet. And then when we talked, I was like, I just feel like I've known this person my entire life. Like, I just couldn't get enough. And so I'm so happy to be here in thank person you. and together. So thank you so much for that. But I feel the same way. You're so cool. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, I'm um, excited to talk to you kind of about your story. Um, I know a lot of people know you as this very successful business leader. You give so much to this industry. Um, you're just one of the people that I think, especially right now, you've been doing this for years, mm -hmm. especially right now, you've been giving back so much. And I know that that's something that's so important to you. So I know everyone can take classes with you and stuff, but I really wanted to take this time when I was thinking about what I wanted to do with you. How was I going to use this? I want to highlight you and just kind of do a little bit about your backstory, you know, kind of where you came from, how you got to where you are today. So tell me a little bit about where you grew up. You grew up in Georgia? No, okay. I grew up in South Carolina, still, okay. still here in the South. I grew up in a small town called Easley, South Carolina, which is, it's just right outside of Greenville. And, uh, I have been, I feel like a Georgia native. I've been here since 1990, 1997. I have to think about that. I've been here longer in Georgia than I actually was in South Carolina now. And, um, but yes, yeah, so I'm from there and I came to Atlanta. Oh gosh. A long time ago to pursue my dreams of becoming a funeral director and then Balmer. Mm -hmm. So, um, there was a college here that I would always read about and I'd heard about it. I was like, I have to go to this school. And um, so that's what ultimately brought me to Georgia. So what, as a child, were you like, I want to be, I want to work with dead people someday? Like when, like, <laughs> what were you exactly like, like that? What yeah. were you like as a kid? Um, I was definitely a fun kid. I was shy. That's something what? people probably would never know about me. I was a shy kid. Um, and I think it was just because I didn't really know who I was or maybe I didn't know how to fit into the situations or wherever I was. So mm -hmm. that came with time. I think a lot of people struggle with like social awkwardness. I was no exception to the rule. But um, anyway, so as a kid, my grandmother passed away when I was, she died nine days after, no, sorry, nine days before my third birthday. And she was such a special lady. She was sweet. And I remember I have so many memories about her and people were like, you can remember being yeah. two years old. I'm like, I can and uh, everything from getting strawberry milkshakes with her on Sunday after church. And um, she had a blue car that had one front seat, no seat belt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember all these things about her. And um, so she passed away and my family did the best they could navigating that with the child. And they were like, oh, so your grandmother, she's asleep. And so I remember going to the funeral home and I saw her in a casket or mm -hmm. I saw it at that time as a box and everybody was crying. I'm like, so when I lay down to take a nap, do you put me in a box and put flowers around me and cry also? I couldn't comprehend. It's so confusing. And so this funeral director pulled me aside into one of the viewing rooms and just kind of like I, my family were friends with them. And uh, he pulled me aside and told me that my grandmother had become an angel. And that made way more sense to me as a child. 
And so I think he was almost a hero in my eyes at that time. And so then I, as I progressed through my childhood, I wanted to be that. I wanted to be somebody that could offer hope or answers to people that needed that. So yeah. that's what ultimately got me into the funeral business. It's so Daniel Mason Jones of you to even as a child connect <laughs> with somebody at three years old to be like, oh, this was formative and yes. I'm going to take something from that. Like, it seems like this has just been in you always. Um, so what was like high school like for you? Were mm. you in sports? Were you like what acti- like what hobbies did you have? So I was not in sports. Um, we actually practiced a religion that was um, sports were forbidden. Okay. So all of our energies and attention were to go toward our, our faith. Okay. And uh, so sports and we would have to dress out. So you had to wear like gym clothes, meaning short sleeves, short pants. And we did not dress like that. So we were very conservative. Did you go to like a traditional elementary school, mm-hmm. high school, all of that? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was the only one until my 12th grade year where I recruited everybody to our religion. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was tired of being alone. Yeah. Um, but no, so I actually did ROTC in school. And uh, so that was my extracurricular. So I did Navy ROTC for three years. I did that. They allowed me to wear on the days that we had to wear our khaki uniform that was short sleeve. I would wear my service blue, which was long sleeve. But um, I did that. My personality, I've always loved everybody. There was, there's always clicks in Mm -hmm. life today. We have clicks, right? Even in our salons, we have clicks, color brand clicks. You have all this stuff. I hate clicks. And um, so I hung out. I'm from the South. So I hung out with the Cowboys. I hung out with the, they called them the freaks. I hung out with the the goth people, the nerds. I hung out with everybody because everybody had such value to mm-hmm. add. And uh, so I never had like a direct home of people. I just loved everybody. Um, overall, high school was good for me. I, I did encounter bullying like anybody else, but I always showed up and just loved people extra aggressively. When the times got rough with bullying, I would mm-hmm. either cut school um, for the day, or I would cut lunch. I would, our school was three stories. And sometimes, um, when the kids started doing whatever they would do, I would hide underneath the stairway at school, um, which was okay. I actually learned to save my lunch money that way. And, uh, I started using my lunch money for other things. I got to, uh, in RTC, we had community service and I would take my lunch money and buy flowers from Walmart. I'm really from a small town. <laughs> I would buy trays of flowers and I would go to the nursing homes and plant those flowers outside of the patient's rooms so that they could enjoy flowers. And I realized I got started to get to know these people. And I was like, I'm not any different than them. They're older than I am, but people have forgotten them or they don't have value in, in community either. So, um, yeah, long and short. So (laughs) your experience kind of like being in something that required so much discipline, do you Mm -hmm. think that that kind of just went along with like this faith that you're being, like you are used to very much like structure and everything was rigid. So going into (laughs) ROTC, was it just kind of like a, I love, I actually love structure. Yeah. I crave structure and it it could be a dynamic from how I was raised. Yeah. But I love the fact that, you know, I grew up in a home that was disciplined. We went to bed at a certain time. We woke Mm -hmm. up at a certain time. We went to church five times a week at the same time. Yeah. Um, We ate at the same time. And then I was an ROTC. And so I've always craved. And then the type of religion that we were, we had a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've always grown up around rules. I, as an artist, people are like, I hate rules. I'm like, yeah. I still love rules. Yeah. I don't really speed a whole lot of five miles over, you know? Um, <laughs> so if the, if the flight attendant says, keep your seat, I sit in my seat. Yes. I don't get up and challenge them. Yeah. So I like rules. I like discipline rules 
keep us safe and whatever. So yeah. Yeah. So do you think that that overflowed then into like how you have built everything that you've built? I mean, it seems like things all like there's systems in place, right? So if you can't discipline yourself, you can't achieve things. Yeah. Right. That makes so much sense. If you're a horse and you're a wild horse and you're trained, being trained for dressage and you want to go run around the field, you'll never learn how to jump. Yeah. So you have to be disciplined and trained in order to get to where you need to be. Yeah. So those are definitely benefits that came out of, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's just, those things are ingrained wonderful in everything. Yes. And it's just finding those things, I think. So you at, how old were you when you left home, when you moved away? How old were you? I was 19 years old when I left. Yeah. Yeah. And you came to Atlanta directly Mm -hmm. or, okay. Yeah. It was a, uh, it was... (laughs) It was not an easy transition. So I, we were poor. My family, my mom and dad worked so hard. They're great people. My dad's no longer here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to go to college. We did not have college savings. It was just not a thing for us. Mm-hmm. So I worked at Walmart as a cashier. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> I worked at the funeral home and I also worked at Dillard's shoe department selling shoes and which I became a really good salesperson. And um, they paid great commission. And so I, all those opportunities allowed me to learn customer service mm-hmm. and experience. But I was saving my money to go to college. And this was before the internet days. And this is before you moved to Atlanta or this is when yeah, you got here? Yeah, this is here. planning too. Okay. And so I knew that I wanted to go to college. I had been getting information from this college for years. And um, so finally, one day I got in the car and I drove to Atlanta. And with, at the time, my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, we came to Atlanta and the school was closed that day. And, and here's what I want any listener or viewer to see and, and hear now is anything that you want in life, if you live with pure intention and a good heart, it'll always come to you. And so I showed up at the school that day and the school was closed and there was one car in the parking lot and I was like, somebody's in there. So I go to the door. I'm like looking through and there's this guy in the hallway and it ended up that he was the embalming instructor and um, I flagged him down and he came to the door and I said, hi, clearly you're closed today, but I'm Daniel and I want to go to college here. And we started talking. He he gave me a tour. He was very gracious. And I said, where do the students live? I had only saved enough money to go the first two semesters and there were no dorms there. I'd always heard about this college experience yeah. in dorms. There was no dorm life there. Okay. And uh, he goes, you know, you live in an apartment in Atlanta. And I'm thinking, I'm a small town boy. Yeah. I cannot afford an apartment in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And um so he says, you know what? There's a funeral home that just reached out this week that's looking for someone to intern and you could live in the, apart- in the apartment there. So I knew in that moment that I was being divinely guided to where I needed to be. Yeah. And um, so I always throw this quote in my classes and lectures. I say, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And in this situation, it literally happened with a real teacher. And uh, so they, they um, got me into this funeral home. It was, it was not like the funeral home that I worked at in South Carolina. It was old. And I went in. They hired me on the spot. I came home that Friday night and I told my mom that I had landed a job in Atlanta. She got very excited. But in our faith, our pastor makes all decisions. And so I went to the pastor's office that night and I asked him for permission to go to college and he denied. And I remember I felt like, I was like, what? And... um so Saturday, the funeral home called me and asked me what was my decision. I said, I'm trying to work through some logistics right now. Sunday morning, I sat through service, always trained and taught to be obedient to the people that were our leaders or in charge of us. And so I sat there 
trying to be the good church going person, you know, and so um, I sat there, I was miserable. Sunday night, I went to the pastor's office and told him I had made the decision to go to college. And that went over like a lead balloon. Um, he never said another word to me in that moment. And so I was actually excommunicated and shunned from my community and the church and everybody that I was ever allowed to talk to. So you want to talk about an awkward and a very, very painful time. So I came to Atlanta, Georgia, lived in a funeral home by myself with no friends. Um, all the people that I had known, they couldn't talk to me. I couldn't talk to them. So this may sound like a sad story, but I'm going to tell you it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, the it's good not. news is that we see this side of yeah. it and we know that we know. And at the time landed. I couldn't see in front of me. So yeah. anybody that's, that's hearing, listening or watching right now, understand that your path that you're on right now is, is okay. Yeah. It's okay. Have faith and you're going to be fine. And so, um, I worked in the funeral home and I, I was put into the funeral home where exactly where I needed to be with the right people. And uh, I was able to actually come into who I really was. I knew who I was all along and mm -hmm. I had hid that for so long. And so the day that I finally made the decision to stand in my truth, mm -hmm. to stand in my power and understand that my creator never created a mistake. Mm -hmm. And no people will say that the creator that I believe in um, is limitless, but yet we think that he creates limited additions. Mm -hmm. And so we're not created limited. And so I, I started to believe in myself and I was now developing relationships with people that I needed to be around that would help me navigate my faith, my spirituality, and who I was. And so um, the funeral home was a great place for me. Did you have did you have contact with your family at this time? It was very spotty. Okay, yeah, so only... you're truly you're truly alone at this point. Yeah. you're in a new uh, city. Like, what if? Do you remember any of those nights? Like, do you remember oh, yeah. like what going crying? Yeah, lonely, heartbroken. Yeah, thoughts of suicide. I mean, thinking that mm -hmm. like you're you're doing something wrong. Like, did that you I was just a question it human being constantly? That Were God you... would punish me. Yeah. Um, you know, and now I know that that's so not the case. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was terrible. And, um, so my mom would reach out to me. My dad was always a quiet man. He was mm -hmm. a gentleman. He was very quiet. My mom would reach out and she would sometimes write letters to me. And, um, as, as time went on that December, I, I let everyone know who I really was. You know, I, I had already disappointed everybody by disobeying. And, uh, so now I, I've, it, I've let people know who I was. And mm -hmm. so that was, uh, that was hard. Do it you think really that hard. had you not had the experience of being like shunned? Um, what else that, did I have to lose? Right. I mean, do you think that that actually, and again, mm -hmm. like taking those moments in life where it was you think lesson. it's all over, yeah. but coming out to say that, like looking back, mm -hmm. it's easy to say. It like, was supposed this is, to happen yeah. this way. It, yeah. it couldn't have happened any other way. And so I, my mom really had a hard time yeah. and in the, in the faith that they believe, um, because I had disobeyed the pastor, mm -hmm. the beliefs were that I had been turned into who I am. Okay. And so I was like, no, I've been me all along. I just chose to live a different version of me to make you happy. Yeah. And so, um, I, I found a lot of strength in that. And, and I often tell people whenever I'm teaching, I say there's only two ingredients in the entire world that will actually make you successful. One's inspiration. Mm -hmm. That's within. That's not motivation mm -hmm. or desperation. And I'm going to tell your friend, <laughs> I was desperate. 
I didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. I had no connections. I lived in a funeral home making $6 an hour. I had my broke down Nissan Sentra that was missing hubcaps. Yeah. <laughs> we had a bakery behind the funeral home. And I remember on Wednesdays, they would have a half price sale. And I would go to the the bakery and load up on those. I don't even know what you call them, but like the, the little um, cinnamon pecan twirl things. They come six to a pack and I would buy enough for a week. And that's what I lived on. Wow. And, um, but I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. You know, when I think back, I was like, my budget for food was like literally $5 a week. Wow. And um, so I learned how to live on a budget. I learned mm-hmm. how to live independently. I learned to love who I was. Um, so life is awesome. Who was your connection at that time? Who is somebody that was present? We had, there were, there were two guys that worked in the funeral home with me. One was Chad Mm -hmm. and then the other one was Chad. (laughs) So one went by his initials and, uh, the other Chad. So there was young Chad and older Chad. One was 24, one was 27 and I was 19 and they ironically were like me. Okay. They were like wow. me. Wow. So like and you said, you really ended up where you I needed, needed to, to be. be. And so the older Chad was actually married to a, a guy that was a Baptist minister. And so I was able to wow. um, place the whole theologian yeah. aspect of of study. And so this was, it was something that actually tormented me because I was so worried based on how I'd been raised. Mm-hmm. I was really wrong and, and I didn't want to be, you know, and I know people have their own opinions, but until mm-hmm. you walked in my shoes, right. um, you can't make assessments. Mm-hmm. I can't judge your life because I've never walked in your shoes. Right. But, um, you know, so, but that's such a rare relationship. So for you to was. end up there, I was with, exactly like, where I needed to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's just incredible that mm-hmm. that's where you landed. So they were there for you and and they really helped you. Um, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, and I didn't, it took a while for me to tell them who I was. They mm-hmm. knew. Yeah. <laughs> if you met me, you knew. But um, they were like, I wondered when you were ever going to be true to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I remember the day of what that felt like. And so, you know, so many people live in a closet. Mm-hmm. You know, we, it's, it's deemed on my community, but yeah. so many people live in a closet. Absolutely. You know, there's thoughts and feelings and skeletons in everybody's closet. And sometimes the people that, that are the quickest to point are the ones that have the most, the largest pile of skeletons. Yeah. And I've learned that too. So I just try to love everybody um, the way that I want to be loved. So let me ask you if you had, because I know you are surrounded by so many people and so many people come into your path, um, which I think is such a gift mm-hmm. because I think that you're able to really like help people in a short amount of time. So even if people are just taking a class with you, yeah. I've talked to so many people. This is why I can say this because <laughs> not only have I experienced this with you, but I've seen people in class with you. I've talked to people after the, and it's just something about you that is different. And I don't, I don't know how to pinpoint those things or what it, you know, really and truly is, but you're able to do that in such a quick way. Um, And so I think that, you know, if somebody was to come to a class or somebody is going through something similar right now, what would you share with them? What would, what advice would you give them? Um, What, no matter what the struggle is, I mean, there's so many people that are facing violence, abuse. There's so much. Um, And I think even, you know, just the, um, you know, people not being supportive of Mm -hmm. a career, it can be something as simple as you know somebody's fighting you people on, don't want you to become a hairstylist mm-hmm. because it's a, a non-rewarding career yeah you should have gone to real college or somebody in that place of where you were um what can you tell them your heart follow your heart and when i say follow your heart always guide yourself with principles and with character so follow your heart but make sure that it's going to enhance the lives of other people when we focus 
listen. When we focus on us too much, we wind up being miserable. I often question people. I'm like, okay, and right now, think about this for yourself. Who do you know right now that's miserable? Every day they're miserable. Mm -hmm. They're grumpy. They're angry. They're anxiety ridden. Not from a chemical. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just, they choose. Mm -hmm. Can you think of that person? Absolutely. How many people do they serve? Yeah, it's about them. Think of somebody right now that is wonderful. They're happy. (laughs) They're grateful. They're empowered. Mm -hmm. Do you have someone? (laughs) Yep. Who do they serve? (laughs) Tons of people. Yeah. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. So whatever your dream and desire is, follow it. But make sure that you're not the hero of the story. Mm -hmm. You'll never be the hero of the story. Yeah. That can go on your tombstone. The hero of the story are the people that you help in. Mm-hmm. So for me to be a hairdresser, I never knew being a hairdresser would allow me financial freedom. Mm-hmm. I never knew that it would allow me to lead 60 plus team members mm-hmm. to financial freedom. I never knew that I would stand on stages all over the world, literally, and guide people, not even just in our industry. You yeah. know, um, I never thought these. I'm shy. It's funny. Like. <laughs> I'll talk to you, but yeah. standing up on a stage and you have 10,000 people in the audience and they're staring at you, mm-hmm. your heart's pounding. You feel like you're going to be sick. And you're like, in your mind, you're like, what do they think about me? Yeah. That's the first thing you think of. Am yeah. I going to mess up? I've fallen off stages before. I was in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. No. Three years ago, I literally couldn't see the lights were so bright. And I literally like walked off the stage. Luckily, I landed on my feet. <laughs> The front, the first couple rows were like, (gasps) they're like, did you fall? I'm like, did I, or did I change elevation? You know, (laughs) so I played into it, but I, you know, you could, you could literally cripple your entire life based off of what are they going to think about me? Yeah. But I leave anybody with this. We live our lives in fear or potential paralysis because we're fearful of what people think about us. What will they think about what we say or what we do or how we live or the house we live in or the car we drive or who we marry or people judge all the time. But here's what I say. We are so worried about people liking us. I turn the question around to everybody else. How many of you actually like yourselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why am I worried about somebody that doesn't like me? Yeah. Or what I do. When I know the majority of the population don't like themselves. Yeah. Why do we do Botox? It's so true. Why do we color our hair? I mean, mm-hmm. it's our business, but why do we try to look a certain way or drive a certain car or carry the certain bag? Why do we carry Starbucks? We all want to fit in. We all want to belong. Mm-hmm. But you have to, you're, there's always going to be a tribe in our group for you, but you have to live in your truth. Yeah. You have to live in your truth. And your people will always be there to rally for you. So where did this start with you? Like, where did the giving back, helping, when is your first oh. memory of serving? Not like a, where, <laughs> not like a required serving to, to get some I've sort always, of reward. It's just been like I've a natural always, thing My parents you. raised me. The right, I'm so grateful for my parents. Um, You know, if we lived in a small community town Mm -hmm. and if somebody passed away, you know, there'd be like somebody that would go around to every house and take it. We were, we were, everybody was poor. Yeah. Um, $10 from this person, 10 from that one. And we would buy a flower for the person that passed away. Um, we just always did stuff. You know, when I told you about working uh, or volunteering, going to the nursing home, Mm -hmm. planting flowers, I love that. Mm -hmm. Giving back has always been something important to me, but I'll tell you when it really started and kicked in, I was. I was 20, I think I was 22 years old and I was an assistant. I was, or actually I was an apprentice. Let's rewind that because I didn't go to beauty school. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the, the, the funds for that or the mm-hmm. opportunity, but, um, so 
I had made some extra money that week and I had paid all my bills and I had done everything. And I'd always been taught through our faith to give 10% back. Now I no longer belong to a religious affiliation because I was not, and most of the time still am not welcomed. So I still have to hold to my values and principles. So I'm like, I have to give 10%, but I don't have to, I'm blessed to give 10% back. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was, it was Sunday morning and I wrote a letter to my aunt and uncle. I knew they were in a very hard time. Um, their, their health was failing and they were in a horrible financial situation. So I had an extra $150 and I wrote the check for $150 and I wrote in the letter. It was something like, I love you guys. I wanted to bless you guys. Um, this week I had some additional money. I hope this helps you buy groceries or medications, whatever you might need. Okay. Can I ask without putting them on the spot? Are these people? They're past now. Are these people that had supported you though? Like are, or no. okay. So, they, okay. No. So yeah. Quite the opposite. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's okay. You still do the right thing. Yeah. Always show I mean, up and do the right I thing. Asked. I mean, it doesn't that's matter. A big move. It doesn't matter. You're called to serve people. Mm -hmm. We're called to live in love and greatness, mm -hmm. period. It doesn't matter who the people are. Yeah. If they treat you badly, that's on them. Um, we're to be the, the greater good in the world. Well, so I, that's a message that I think we really need to get out more. <laughs> it needs to be. <laughs> that's a highlight on and, this. You know, and it, not just the message, people need to live it. Yeah. Don't say it, live it. Yes. And so I wrote this check to my aunt and uncle and um, it was literally, literally the very next week, the very next week, I had a day in the salon. It was Cinco de Mayo. And it was, actually it was the sixth, the day after. The lady that I was training under called in. She had serious food poisoning oh, no. and she had a full book. Now, at that time, I didn't have a license and was not legally allowed to charge, but I could take gratuity. Mm -hmm. Bobby, I took home $1,500 that Saturday. Wow. Exactly tenfold over what I had given. Yeah. It validated that we're supposed to give back. Yeah. And when you give, you don't give to get. You mm -hmm. give because you can. Mm -hmm. And so I've always believed in that. And so since then, I could tell you so many stories from homeless people to um, foster children to mm -hmm. whatever it is that we've been able to help and fund. The money always comes back. We last year, our salon was closed. You know, mm -hmm. we donate one clinical trial every year back to pediatric uh, childhood cancer. We didn't have the money that we could donate because our salon was closed. And so we stepped out on faith and we use those big shiny Amexes that we have. Mm -hmm. And we donated a certain amount of money to this organization. I literally, I promise you <laughs> with my right hand and all things around me that I went into my closet, which I go into twice a day to get dressed mm -hmm. or undressed. And I had been rotating these three pairs of shorts that were super comfortable because we all were wearing stretchy clothes yes. during that time. Yes. <laughs> that exact amount of money was in a bank envelope between two pairs of shorts that I had. Wow. It was not a small amount of yeah. money. I don't keep money in my home. Um, I remember running downstairs. Jody was on the Peloton and I was like, look at this. And he's like, what is it? And I, I told him how much yeah. money it was. And he goes, where'd you get that from? I was like, I have no idea. Wow. I'm paranoid of germs. So no one was in yeah. my house. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so just time and time again, I could mm -hmm. tell you so many stories, but you know, just know if you follow your heart, 
and mm-hmm. you you live the way you're supposed to live, everything's going to come your way. Yeah. And you're, there's there's so much abundance. You know, we have to ask ourselves: Do I choose to live in an abundant mindset or a scarcity mindset? Mm-hmm. So many people live in scarcity. It's like, oh, there's not enough hair clients to go around the salon, or um, there's too many salons in this area. Yeah, that scarcity mindset. Yeah, I was promised early on that if I ask for it, I should receive it. Yeah. And I believe that. Yeah. I think that that exactly what you just said just really holds a lot of people back. Mm-hmm. Like I think people can make excuses for why they don't want to start the business, go into this yeah. one, go into that, go into whatever industry. Mm-hmm. That actually is something that um, I hadn't really considered as like something that really like will strike. But yeah, that mindset of having like, oh, there's enough hairdressers. How am oh. I going to get clients? Or there's already <laughs> this salon doing this. You have so people I can't waiting for it. you right now that yes. you've never even met. Yes. You have viewers right now that want to view you mm-hmm. or listen. You've never met. Yeah. It's awesome. That's so true. And I just, I think, I mean, I align so much with that of the like mm-hmm. giving back. I mean, I think this industry is incredible for it. So it I is. think that like Great ending people. up in this industry um, was not in my plan ever. So the fact <laughs> that I ended up in this Surprise. and it is an industry that is so like, it allows you to give back so much and allows you to give. And I think it's, you know, it's definitely the thing that probably connected us mm-hmm. and is probably the reason that we're sitting here even talking today like is because there's like. so, exactly. There's mm-hmm. so many people that, that want to help. I, I would say like 20 times in a week I'm hearing, you know, I want to do this because I want to help people. I want to make people feel good. Um, then they're in it for the right reason. Exactly. And it, it, and it is the giving back and mm-hmm. helping. And you are so lucky to be able to do it, not only on a client level where mm-hmm. you started, then as a salon owner. So you're leading a team of people that you're able to give back to. I know we were talking about a meeting this morning. It was so fun. Um, <laughs> that you got to have, that you got to do. And then now it's a, a literal worldwide thing. It is. So, it's so cool. Um, I want to ask you where, I mean, all of this, where you are in this exact moment of, you know, Daniel Mason Jones and this, you know, 800 jobs, 800 things that you're doing. <laughs> I do have some all jobs. All the different things. <laughs> Was any of this, I mean, do you ever have a moment that you stop and you're like, I can't believe this is my life. I can't believe that I'm doing this. I can't believe that this is happening. Have you ever heard of someone that maybe had been one size and they lost a lot of weight? Mm-hmm. And when they go shopping, they continue to buy the same size clothes. Yes. Yes. It's is no that different. just how you feel? I'm still the same kid mm-hmm. from South Carolina that I always was. Yeah. You know, um, we were able to help somebody from school. Um, we weren't friends in school. They needed help. I saw it on Facebook. People weren't jumping to help and I was able to. So I did. She sent me a message and she goes, I'm so proud to know that you've had the experiences in life that you've had mm-hmm. to become who you've become, which I still am questioning who I've even become um, and who I will become because mm-hmm. I'm still trying my best to grow. Mm-hmm. But she said, I love that you've kept your feet on the ground. And I laughed at it. And I was like, where else would I put them? I live on earth with you. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it just stay humble. Yeah. Stay humble. As quickly as we climb, you can fall down just as fast. Yeah. And all the people, you know, people will step on people to get to where they want to be sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's taken me a long time to get to where I am. Mm-hmm. I've seen people go a lot faster. But I, I read a quote one time. It says, um, you know, you can go fast, you can go slow, but I choose to go slowly because it's, it's heavier. Mm-hmm. You're climb- imagine climbing with a bag. You're carrying integrity with you. Yeah. So I would rather climb slow and steady to wherever I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I'm happy where I am, but I always want more. I think that's a really important message 
for, um, I don't want to like, just say like only young people are struggling with this because I think we all have this motive to just run as fast as we can. The culture that we Mm. are raised in, um, I think especially like our generation of like, you just work as hard as you can and as much as you can and like all of those things, which I think definitely has value, Mm. but understanding that it is not instant gratification is something (laughs) that I just really feel like I don't know if it's more present because I'm working with younger people all the time. You know, I'm in that age group that I see it a lot, but that's a really hard concept. Mm -hmm. I think to like, or something that we all need to be like, you know, recognizing that it's not, you're not going to get to long continued success by being the fastest. And I like that you said, you've seen people do this faster than you. Um, It's it's hard not to envy that. It's hard no. not to watch that on social media. It's in our face all the time. It's hard not to have those like that jealousy, the you know, people of on it. social media. I'm on social media. Mm-hmm. I have a big social media following. You do. Yeah. Can I tell you a secret? I don't ever post my bad haircuts. It's true. I don't ever post yes. the day that my staff member quit. Yes. I don't post the day that the hot water heater stops working or the dryer mm-hmm. blew up or I don't post that. I only allow you to see what I want you to see. Yeah. So it'd be crazy to try to compare your life to somebody else's yeah. life. I'm not showing you everything. Yeah. I'm going to show you what I want you to see. I think we've seen a change over the last, I don't know, two years, three mm-hmm. years of like body positivity. And yeah. we're seeing people that look different on commercials. And we're so there's a lot of growth there. Mm-hmm. I think that there still is always going to be that oh, well, I should be driving this car. I should be wearing these clothes. Like you said, like there's always going to be that in the back of your mind. I think it's so important to stop and just be happy with where you are. I feel like I am so guilty of this Mm -hmm. where I'll be like, I'm so thinking of the next thing, the next day, the next minute, the next hour. Like what are we doing next and where are we going that I really don't stop to say, Oh, but look at how far I've come. Yeah. But look at where we are in this exact moment. Like, had I given up on everything (laughs) as many times as I wanted to, we want to be here in your house doing this, you know? And so like taking those wins, I think, um, is important to you. So over the last... I don't know, two years, I'll say, because I've I've been along with you on this journey, I'd say, for that time that I've been watching you in this. Um, what are your what are your highlights from this time? What are your like wins? My biggest win is that I I have a husband that adores me, mm-hmm. right? 21 years. And he's amazing. He is. I love that I got to meet him today. <laughs> we have a beautiful child mm-hmm. and we're all healthy. That's the biggest wins. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's actually amazing. We have family that love us. We're surrounded by really great friends. Mm-hmm. So that's the big wins. Um, I get to do what I love for a career. How cool is that? You know, I'm a hairdresser. I've been cutting hair, coloring hair for a long time. I'm now starting to look to the next chapter of what I'll do. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not saying that I'm going to stop doing hair right away, but I won't do this forever. Yeah. And um, I have to now's the time that I have to place my trust. And bigger things, understand that I'm called to this earth to do bigger things. And I've been given two decades of incredible, four decades of life, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, two decades of incredible business experience. And I need to use my voice and the platform that I've been given now to empower more people. You know, Mm -hmm. there's, again, I said earlier, domestic violence. There's so many people in our industry that are living in homes that are unsafe. Yeah. You know, they're scared. These women are scared to go home at night. Mm -hmm. And um, which is sad. Their children are growing up in that. And yeah. there's sex trafficking, which is a huge thing for us. Hairdressers, mm-hmm. we're, we're on the front lines of that. We yeah. should know, we should all be trained to do more than balayage. Yep. We should be able to read the cues to know, 
that if somebody comes into the salon and the the adult that's bringing the child in is really dressed nicely and this kid looks like they're a little disheveled, mm -hmm. there's a red flag. Right. Um, there's so many things that we as hairdressers have responsibility to do that's bigger than us. Mm -hmm. And so I'm grateful for that. As I jump into the next chap chapter, I, I really want to bring more awareness to those things. But I also want to show hairdressers what can be, what is possible. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that talk the talk. Yeah. You're sitting in my home right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thankful and I'm blessed to have what I have. It's been a lot of hard work. Yeah. <laughs> I've sacrificed two decades of friends, mm -hmm. health. Um, I can't tell you the last time that I ever just went out anywhere on the weekend. I come home and I, I bury my face in a book or a podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm growing and I'm learning. Yeah. You know, while people, I see people having fun and I could do that and I may regret it one day, but right now I don't. Yeah. I've never regret. I'm not really a party person anyway. Yeah. But um, I just feel like we, ought, we have to be looking, we have to be grateful for what we have, but we have to strive for more Yeah. so that we don't become complacent. We weren't created. Michael Jordan said it best. He says, I was not put here to be mediocre mm -hmm. and nor were you. Yeah. And I think that, that, um, that understanding that this isn't your, this isn't forever, that you're not no. stuck in a place. <laughs> I feel like people really feel stuck a lot. Walk me through what your process is as you are starting new adventures, starting new businesses, starting new things. What does that look like for you? Are you like kind of slow to make changes, slow to take action? Yeah. Um, you know, you saying that you have like different, you're always working on different projects and doing <laughs> things differently. And I know that in those moments of change, yeah. um, whether that would be to ever step away from behind the chair or, you know, I, which I know has happened with the more yeah. that you're traveling and mm -hmm. stuff you've had to adjust yeah. those uncomfortable moments. Um, are really challenging and are really, really, really hard. And I don't know that there's a lot of guidance out there for just, you have that feeling in your stomach, something feels wrong and you just feel like this thing like, that this has is felt comfortable for so long just doesn't feel like that anymore. Or maybe you're in a salon that doesn't feel right anymore. Something's mm -hmm. off. Talk yeah. a little bit about that. What does that feel like for you or how do you manage that? I think self-awareness is something that so few people have. Yeah. Right. Just absolutely. think about that. Like people aren't self-aware. I know, like I can listen to my, my gut or whatever. I can listen to that and know that it's time to move. Mm -hmm. You know, I know when to pivot and I think you constantly have to pivot. So yeah, I would, in the beginning, I was known as the updo guru. Oh my gosh. I could do an updo all day long. Quick. Yeah. I was the fastest in the game and actually the best in the game. Um, because of all the because practice. Because how I grew up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the women wear their hair up. So I naturally, yeah. I had seen it for years. And yeah. So I was good at that. And I was like, I don't want to just do up here. Like I need to be a colorist and a cutter. Like you just started not liking, like it started. Just, I still love it. Yeah. But it was like, I just got tired of prom, 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 mm -hmm. homecoming, wedding, bat mitzvah. Like it was all these things. Yeah. And so, um, I became known as a really good colorist. Mm -hmm. And so I've done color now for a very, I, I cut and color. I do everything. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, would get very bored, mm -hmm. <laughs> very bored, <laughs> but I did that. And then I started, um, in education. And so I started with L'Oreal professional as an mm -hmm. educator, 16, almost 17 years ago with cutting. And then I went into color. They allowed me to switch over, which was nice. And, but I found myself every time I would go into a salon, people would ask me, is it true that you make X amount of dollars behind the chair? Um, do you really see 25, 30 clients a day? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. And so people that didn't understand that, 
or couldn't understand that, I would break it down. Like, this is how I do it, you mm-hmm. know? And so I found that every time I was going to a salon to teach color or style, I was teaching a business class. Okay. And so what I say to you or to anybody right now, the questions that you're asked most frequently mm-hmm. is what your brand really is. So when I teach a branding class, I say to people, I'm like, what do you think a brand is? And they're like, oh, it's my logo or it's my color. No, your brand is what somebody identifies you as when you're not in the room. That's your brand. Yeah. So I, I'm often like, you should ask the people around you, what do you see me as? What do you think my wheelhouse is? And so it was business. It was business. It was mm-hmm. business. And so I remember there was one year as a hairdresser and I, I know I'm probably going to get some, some jaw drops or some disbelief, <laughs> but I will, I will go ahead and address that before. This is something you learn as a, as a speaker and educator, only the people that will respond negatively are the people that can't see bigger than where they are. And for those people, I wish you the best. Yeah. Um, but I remember the year that I got to $850,000 a year behind my chair, not as a salon owner, not as anything else. And um, so I talked to one of my friends. I was like, hey, I did incompetence. So I was like, I did $850,000 this year behind my chair as a hairdresser. And the response I got was not the one that I wanted. I wanted a pat on the back. Right. Yeah. I heard on the other end of the phone, do a million. Wow. <laughs> Guess what I did? You did a million. I did a million. <laughs> and so um, I've done that every year now. I've gotten up to one, two. So far, wow! Behind the chair, and I'm now three days a week behind the chair. It's it's a lot. Yeah, and people are probably you know thinking, well, you must charge a thousand dollars. I don't. My average ticket's around two thirty seven, two forty. I do track my numbers. Mm-hmm. I think that's another fatal mistake for our industry. People talk about how much they're making. I'm making all this money. I'm I'm my own, whatever. Mm-hmm. And nobody knows their numbers. Yeah, nobody knows their numbers. I'm like, so if I ask you, what is your average service ticket? They're like, well, I think it's. Thinking isn't the number. Yeah. What is your average retail ticket? Well, I think it, thinking isn't the number. Mm-hmm. You have to, I track my numbers every single day. I yeah. know what I've done this week. Um, I've worked two days so far this week. I'll go in and work tomorrow. I'll finish out the week around $15,000, $16,000 in three days behind the chair. Um, and I pump the brakes because I had shadowers in the salon. So we, in our salon, we allow people to come in to see actually how we do things. Yeah. And so this week, yesterday, in fact, we had two really wonderful ladies that came in from Michigan to see how we operate our business. And um, so I slow the books down, but there's just so many opportunities. And it's like, don't copy other people in the industry, mm-hmm. create your own path. Create your own path. I had to get outside of our industry to see where I wanted to be. So I went to Disney. I went to Disney Institute, um, Ritz-Carlton trainings. I've been to so many various trainings outside of our industry because, quite honestly, if we keep copying each other in our industry. You're not going to grow. It's so boring, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I needed to find another way to do this better. And you were downstairs in my office earlier and you saw, what do I have? Yeah. A lot of books. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And not just, not just beauty industry books. There were, I mean, you didn't see one book on beauty. Yeah. They're all business. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things about the salon today and just, again, just getting like inside the mind of Tina Mason Jones. Get in um, <laughs> I loved that you were like, yeah, so we started, you know, we adapted, made these changes to the salon because we started seeing, because we started seeing, because, and I'm like, yeah. that's what you have to do. And that's goes back to that self-awareness. Mm-hmm. What's happening around you? Who are you serving? 
observing who you're yeah. and then just adapt to that. It doesn't have to be that I just spent, you know, $2 million on this remodel and I have the nicest stations. Okay. Well, all of that stuff, like great matter. If you don't have customer service, right. who cares? And so for you to be like forward thinking enough to be like, Oh, yeah. the, this is what I actually need. I think that that's, I mean, that's so valuable. And you have so to great. pivot everywhere and, mm -hmm. and often. Yeah. I think that's the, the true, a true leader mm -hmm. in real business is you have to be able to pivot anytime. You know, I, I could pivot off topic here and talk about churches, but remember how mm -hmm. churches used to be back in the day. Yeah. They were like, you saw like all like the business and everything. Yeah. yeah. And now there's like children's area mm -hmm. ministries and there's adult ministries. They have coffee bars. Yeah. They needed to captivate a new audience. Even if you go to a movie theater, a movie theater back in the day, I don't mm -hmm. go to movies, but the movie theaters back in the day were just this boring thing with a seat that folded out. And there was dirty popcorn on the floor and probably some rats under your chair. Yes. Um, but now it's like this dining experience with wine and everything has evolved. You know, I, again, I don't eat fast food, but I have seen McDonald's where you can order your own food on a touch screen. McDonald's got it. Disney's got it. Mm -hmm. They have the, the fast passes. You tap the thing They're, Everybody's changing. And we think as hairdressers, we need to keep doing what mama and granny and yeah. <laughs> whomever else, what they've done over these decades. Right. It's not going to work. Mm -hmm. It's not going to work. You have to implement digital. You have to have social. You have to have cameras and ring lights and box. You have to have this now. Yeah. It's no longer... I can just be a hairdresser. Mm -hmm. It's a full rounded scope of things. And as a business leader, you know, I would be very naive to think that anybody wants to work a 40 hour work week anymore. So I've pivoted my company. People work 12 hours a week, 15 hours a week, 18 hours a week. I have people mm -hmm. that work 36 hours a week, like one. Um, yeah. And, but I needed to navigate and pivot in order for me to have a business. I have to meet the needs of not only the consumer, I have to meet the needs of my team. And, you know, with that came, I needed to provide health insurance for my team. I wanted to give them retirement plans. One of the, one of my favorite topics to discuss because it hits a nerve is all the industry talks about how much money they make, but nobody's retiring. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we're talking this big game, but there's no money there and right. you can't retire. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we just went through in, in our next team celebration in December, our financial advisors coming in. But right this very minute in nine years in our company, we've contributed $2.2 million to our team's retirement. That's why I do what I do. Yeah. Nobody will leave my company and say, I couldn't retire. It's I'm so, not going to permit that. It's so true that in this industry, it just very much like you have people that are like, well, this is just how we do it. I'm yeah. talking with salons right now about like just being connected in the beauty school world and mm -hmm. what the students want. So mm -hmm. I'm seeing it as a change of like, oh, okay, this is changing in beauty school. Well, this is who our next generation of stylists are. So and you better be ready. What for do them. they need and what do they want? Yeah, if you're gonna keep employees, where we, I think we were talking earlier about you know a salon that had a bunch of people working for them, and now they have a few people working mm -hmm. for them, and that falls back on leadership. And again, I think just not being able to pivot. If we're stuck in these structures, um, I've talked to salons for years about changing associate programs. Mm -hmm. Um, and why are to make them quicker, right? And yeah. I'm taking that completely off of not ever going through an associate program or not owning a salon that has but one, you know, the needs. but listening to the students. Mm -hmm. And when they're coming in and saying, where do, you know, when I'm saying, where do you want to go to work? What are you interested in? They'll be like, well, you know, I want this or I don't want that. And then feeding that to the salon owners. It's very much, I will say, like more times than not, mm -hmm. it's that they don't want to change. No, well, this is how long it is. And we just don't want well, what's happening now is those same salons are coming to us saying, okay, we want to sit down and work 
with some students, talk with some students about what they're looking for. Mm, exactly. um, and it's like, instead of fighting it for two years, you know, pivot. Exactly. Make, because you're only wasting time. If you it's always valuable. do what you've always done, mm -hmm. you'll always get what you've always gotten. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that is, I think definitely something that I see changing. Mm -hmm. I think people are definitely becoming more open-minded to change, but there's also not just like one way that works for everybody. No, it's gosh, so no. awesome that in this industry, every <laughs> salon gets to be Create culture. their own thing and their own space. And like, I know that there are certain students that are going to fit at this salon when they wouldn't, like if I sent them to you, like you would be like, Bobby, what are you doing to me? Me. <laughs> exactly. And that person would be like, no, this is not what I want, but there is a place out there for you. There's a place and a person for everyone. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, one of the other, the, the downfalls of our industry is when it comes down to branding your company and culture, mm -hmm. you're putting pictures all over your social media pages of hair. Mm -hmm. I can't tell what your culture is like. You were in my salon this morning. What was the culture like? Incredible. Amazing. Was it sad or weepy? <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. Opposite. Were we playing Duran Duran on the radio? <laughs> no. 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 You know, it. that's our culture and mm -hmm. our culture doesn't fit everyone. Our mm -hmm. culture, you know, we are an elite group of hairdressers. I always say, I want to hire Olympians in my salon. Mm -hmm. I want Olympians. An Olympian is somebody that trains their entire life for their skill and then they make it and then they keep training. That's an Olympian. That's who I want in my company. I don't want a hobby hairdresser, a vocational hairdresser, somebody that's playing beauty shop. I want people that are in it to win the game. Yeah. That can work really well around other people and that sees a vision bigger than themselves. Because yeah. after all, we need, we do need each other. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely our brand and our salon. And I think that it's so evident and just like walking around and seeing so many different people today, we're in mass. So we didn't, we couldn't see each other smiling. Right. right. But you can, you we've learned, <laughs> we've learned with eyes that they're smiling and yeah. everyone in there just smiled at me and was mm -hmm. so sweet and so nice. And I think that that's just something that's the culture you've created. Um, I asked you when we were recording, I was like, Oh, I have a question for you. What is your uniform? Oh yeah. Because <laughs> everyone is in very similar attire, different cute themselves. Like you can totally, totally tell that it's their different from styles. From Doc Martens to heels. Yes. Yeah. But your answer to me was we don't have a uniform, but everyone mm. seemed to fall into place into what you would want to create. And that falls back on the leader. Yeah. The leader is the speed of the leader is always going to be the speed of the game. So what you establish again, back to culture, when you're hiring the right people, when the right people are being attracted to your company, you don't have all these issues. I'm not going to bring somebody in and change who they are. I celebrate who you are. Mm -hmm. I didn't want somebody to change who I was, and I'm yeah. certainly not going to do it to you. But these are our guidelines. These are our principles. These are our core values of the company. We love, we serve, we give, mm -hmm. period. And so everything else falls into place. And as I brought you into my my private office in the salon, yeah. I share with you that we don't manage people inside of our salon. I will never manage a person that is so outdated. It's mm -hmm. archaic. It's weird. Mm -hmm. We lead people to success. We show them the systems and the systems manage them. It's very easy. And I'm in that same system. I'm a hairdresser. If I don't perform X, Y, Z, then I don't get the, the result that I need. That's that easy. And yeah. so we're hairdressers. People overcomplicate the systems 
There's no need to do that. There's no need to do that. You had a triangle on yes. your board, yes. um, which Rob and I were talking about. Cause I'm like, I want to ask, you know, <laughs> I want to ask him, you know, what are your three words that you would use? What do I want to do at home? Um, you know, to have that as well. Um, so tell me your three words that were on your triangle, um, and what those mean in your salon. So in our salon is the golden triangle. And if, if it doesn't satisfy the team, the guest or the company, we can't do it. Mm -hmm. We cannot do it. We have the same philosophy right here in my house. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't, if my, if my son comes home and says, Hey, I want to go, I want to stay up to 10 o'clock tonight. How is that going to serve this family? You're going to be cranky tomorrow morning. You're not going to want to get up. You're going to be cranky tonight. And what are we going to be doing at 10 o'clock at night? Mm -hmm. You're, you're a baby. So, <laughs> you know, there's nothing good that's going to come out of that. So if there's one, one no in that, then it's a no, mm -hmm. it's a hard no. Yeah. And so we have to meet the needs of each other. And so that's how my team show up. You know, it's no different than a sporting event. If, if I were playing soccer and the goalies over here playing on their phone and the, the opposing teams kicking, kicking the ball, <laughs> so we, we all have to be eyes and ears for each other all the time. And, and that's really how we show up for each other. So that's why you felt what you felt in the company yeah. and how you saw everybody like hanging out together, friendly, chummy. Like when I say I didn't want to leave, like, I'm like, <laughs> should we stop by like on the way back on the way out? Like everyone just like had this warm invite in for me and like feeling like giving off that energy so much. It was so awesome to feel that. And it could be, you know, you would think coming to Atlanta, a, a city. Yeah. A big salon mm -hmm. with a, a high-end salon. Yes. It could have been a totally different vibe. Absolutely. It could have been pretentious. Yes. It could have been cold. And, and honestly, uh, had it been that, I probably would have just been like, yeah, I mean, it's a high-end salon. So that's what you expect. You know, we're almost like trained yeah. to think that that's okay. Yeah, and no. it's not. It's not like okay. you shouldn't feel that. And especially, like I said, you know, I hold you to this like, you know, celebrity status. And I just think the no world pressure. of you, you know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure at all. No, but I mean, if that would have been the way, I probably, when we left, like would have been like, yeah, you know, it just, it just is like that because that's the call, but it's, it wasn't, yeah. it was so opposite of that. We spend it most of our time me, at work. Yeah. Why not be happy there? No, it's so true. And I think that that's just, just so much to speaks to you and Jody. And well, we have people that, that come in that they either come into the culture, they, they adapt to the culture or they simply don't fit the culture. Yeah. You know? And I talk about this all the time. I'm like the people in our cultures, in our families, in our relationships, in our whatever, mm -hmm. It's just like a tree. There's the root that's always. Mm -hmm. There's the limbs that could last a decade, but they might break. And there's the leaves that change with the season. So you have to understand in your culture, in your company, that not everybody's there forever. And that some people add value. You know, right now the fall leaves are beautiful and they're adding beauty to the landscape. Mm -hmm. But they're only going to last a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. But right now they're beautiful. So enjoy what you have in front of you while it's there. Yeah. You know, they're adding value in that moment. You're adding value in that moment. So we, we just have to look at everything. When you, what, it, there's another quote. I'm clearly, you know, that I read a lot and I love quotes, but <laughs> when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have to learn to put on a different set of glasses to view life. Yeah. Life is not complicated. It's not. It's really not. It can be fun and light and it is just fun. like a good time. Yeah. <laughs> um, has there been a moment in your, career time. I mean, there's moments of being an employer that are really challenging. Oh, um, being day. a leader, being really challenging. 
What can you speak to as far as kind of having your heart broken to somebody mm. that you've given so much to that you almost feel like I deserve more. You shouldn't have done this to me. I gave, look at all this mm-hmm. that I gave you and you left. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me a little? I don't think we've ever talked about this. I don't think we've ever had this conversation. So funny you're having this conversation because one of our mutual friends um, has reached out to me just yesterday morning about this very topic okay. and they're going through it. And so you still do the right thing. You still do the right thing. Karma, universe, God, whatever you believe mm-hmm. in will reward you or could correct you. And so does it hurt when somebody leaves that you've poured into? <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's hard not to take it personally. We're in a business where we care about who. It's not corporate. They're not numbers. These are people. So yes, we have poured into people. Um, we had a, we had one stylist leave us during the pandemic. One. And uh, out of 60 people, that's not bad. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and um, so we had one, we lost some associates. That was fine. But we lost one stylist. And um, the personality changed. And sometimes people will own their way out. And you see this in relationships too. Somebody wants to break up with somebody or call it off they start to treat the other person badly. Mm-hmm. And so this person was never this way before and, and they started to show up in a different way. And I was like, I told Jody, I said, something's up. You knew it, mm-hmm. like you felt it, yeah, you knew, yeah. yeah. I'm an empath, so yeah. I can feel that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just wish, you know, people leave, I left, right? I left a salon, mm-hmm. but I did it gracefully. And I thanked the leaders of the company and I worked my two week notice and they allowed the two week notice and there was no animosity and they threw a party and I got flowers and it was amazing. I have nothing bad to say about them. They grew me. They have nothing bad to say about me. I helped them. Mm-hmm. So um, it was just time to go. Their salon was going to be closing. I had heard rumor of it and I asked them. And so mine was a unique situation. But I've had stylists leave our salon. We, we had two young ladies that left at the same time. And uh, one was my associate. I had just taken her on a trip to, um, we went to Madrid, $10,000 it cost me to take her. And um, she came back and she knew she was leaving me while she was on the trip. (laughs) And so that one stung a little bit, Um, but she has her own salon now. And I look at this, she no longer belonged in our company. Mm -hmm. We no longer could serve her. She could no longer serve us. If I really got down to it, if I take ego and I take pride, I take all that away. She was no longer there to serve us. And we were no longer there to serve her. Mm-hmm. Did it hurt? Whew. And I was, I was mad. I was. Yeah. But um, I've grown since then. Mm-hmm. I've grown since then. And you grow with every lesson in life. And so she has a, a very successful salon now here in this town. And I'm proud of her. And, um, you know, it, it is what it is. Everybody that comes, if you're a salon owner and you're listening, I love you. <laughs> I'm sending you all the, those are your people. All it the love, really but is. I'll say to you, everybody that comes to you will leave you. Mm-hmm. Everybody that comes to you will leave you, whether they move, they pass away, they quit. They're there 20 years, 20 minutes. Everyone that comes through your doors will leave your doors. Mm-hmm. So just embrace that and don't put, it's like an investment account. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Yeah. You know, you have to diversify. Do you keep a wall up? Do you keep like a, no a limit like are you like okay i know this is gonna happen i know i know right now that i have two girls leaving in january wait that i know right now okay 
And you're just... And I celebrated both of them today in our team celebration. How? I mean, that's so hard. It is what it is. Yeah. You know something awesome? I've got four young ladies that are waiting for chairs in my company. Yeah. So life It's just what just you're going to focus works. on. It's what you're going to look at, especially life in your works. business. I mean, yeah. I think like we talked about, it's not just beauty industry mm-hmm. and where it's every industry, it's every industry. You know, yeah. uh, statistics actually show traditionally and prior to COVID and pandemic mm-hmm. that um, you lose 10% of your staff every year. But now the number I'm going to, I'm going to say, this isn't factual. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that now every business will lose 20% of their employees yeah. every year, mm-hmm. you know, where it was 10. We have sped up life. You know, the pandemic brought everything, production, technology, augmented reality, artificial intelligence. It expedited everything by an entire like decade from where we were. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see things that we've never seen before. So we have to be vigilant. We have to be out there waiting and ready to go for what's to be next because mm-hmm. it's coming and yeah. to celebrate it. It is what it is. Listen, you and I are going to die one day. Who cares? Yeah. It is what it is. Be nice, be good, be thankful, and it'll all work out. Yeah. Promise. I love that. (laughs) Um, So I had a special moment with you um, a little bit ago that we were able to um, see something that you had made when you were a kid. Oh, (laughs) gosh. Because I think that one of the things that I've learned from you is manifestation. And something we've talked a lot about is just like being that person that like truly believes that that you can have anything that you want. Anything that you want. And if you can just like commit to working on a goal and like staying on track like that. And believe. Yeah. So we're here in your gorgeous house. And I hate to put you on the spot, but I was going to ask if if you'd be able to kind of share or talk about what you showed me. It's kind of funny. So not everything in the photo came to fruition. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But um, so I was in eighth grade. Now you've been through my whole home here today. And you see that I'm not a hoarder. Someone put that yes. disclaimer out there. <laughs> I don't have all. I don't have anything laying around. Yes. Um, and I don't know why I saved this folder, but I saved this folder. So this folder was from my eighth grade. So I was 14 years old and um, I was not a very good artist, if I'm telling <laughs> the truth. And so... Here's my... It's actually, now that I know that this was eighth grade, I actually feel like it's pretty good. I was a Jones before I married. Now I'm Mason Jones. <laughs> People think my last name is Mason Jones and it's oh, not. Oh, yeah. Or my middle name's Mason yeah. Jones. I'm like, no. no. It's, so um, I have all these terrible renderings of things in here, but this particular image that I'm going to show is, is kind of funny and I kind of want to cover up part of it because the drawing is so hideous. <laughs> But it's not about the drawing. It's about the actual home. And, and maybe, I don't know, I've never shown anybody my home publicly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I grew up really humble. <laughs> and the homes where I'm from, you know, if you had a ranch style home that had brick on it, that was true success. Mm-hmm. And there weren't many of those people in town. I remember I was actually 16 years old the first time I ever went into a two-story house and saw oh, stairs. Wow. It would blew my mind. I was like, these people. I know. Do you remember having moved like steps or something upstairs? I'm like, you were rich. And so um, I, it wasn't just a drawing. I don't know what this art would even be called, but it was a project. And so I did this house and um, the crazy thing is when we look at this house, you probably see some similarities. So I live in this house now. So um, ignore the drawing of me and my wife. (laughs) 
<laughs> which by the way had on a mini skirt totally would go against everything that we believed um but even the dog which is somewhere behind me yes. this is my dog yeah it's a cavalier king charles i didn't know what a cavalier Wait, king charles I was see your, hang on i didn't look at the shirt um oh so, it clearly i don't work so out either you were um rocking a gold gold gym. shirt in this picture um this do you know what i'm getting you you understand you're gonna have a gold gym shirt. Like oh, it's like I will I be hand delivering. Have been into one of those one time. Yes. Clearly, I was trying to project what people thought that I should be moving yes. forward. Um, so ignore ignore it. the bottom portion of this. Um, but this is the house that I created when I was in eighth grade, and you all saw the driveway that I have. There's yep. one driveway that drives through a part of our home here. And then there's a circle driveway here and then the portico share in the main house. So granted the house that we're in now is white and it is the same exact shape of home. It is the same driveway. And I literally have, we'll cover her up. <laughs> <laughs> I have this dog just behind us here in the interview. So um, I say all of that and forgive me for my terrible artwork. <laughs> I say all of that to say, there is nothing you can't have. And sometimes things don't come when you expect them to come. But if you believe, they will always come. Yeah. Well, I love it. It's so beautiful. It's so you and so incredible. And I'm just, I'm just so thankful for this time. I started our day, like so showing awesome. gratitude to you. <laughs> and I just, I can't, this has just been such a dream and, um, a highlight for us for sure. I mean, for beauty and style, like it's a really big deal. And I think, um, I was telling my husband on the way down that like, I just feel like these, these moments are things that we're going to be like, Oh yeah. And remember that mm -hmm. and remember that that led to this, to this. And I just think it's all so awesome and what you do for this industry is Thank incredible you. um i don't know i hope i'm not offending anyone but i don't know a lot of people that have touched as many lives as you have changed as many lives as you have and they've all touched mine we could have talked for another four hours about the <laughs> amazingness and the things, <laughs> the things that you've Oops. done um to um to help everybody so thank you so much i'm so grateful for this time and and i can't wait um to see what you do next and all all the love that you're going to show coming forward thank you so much thank you for today it was made and thanks for coming to atlanta oh my gosh i love it anytime <laughs> <laughs>